All right, well, hello, Grace Family Church. My name is Hal Mayer. I'm the campus pastor at the Temple Terrace campus. Thank you. I'd like to welcome all of you in here, all of you that are watching online, of course, at all of our seven campuses. Those of you in the room here, the Lutz campus, give it up for yourselves. Yeah, our Carrollwood campus, our South Tampa campus, our Clearwater campus, which is in its second week. It's meeting every week now, which is pretty awesome. We can give it up for that. Yeah, our Ebor campus, Orlando Lakes campus, and of course, my home campus, the Temple Terrace campus. Now, I'm excited today because we are starting a new series, like you saw, called Jonah. And we're literally going to be going chapter by chapter in the book of Jonah. And here's one of the reasons why we do this and why I think this is a great opportunity is because as we go th chapter through chapter through the book of Jonah, we would love for you to walk along with us. Spend some time, because here's what I know. The Bible can be tough to read sometimes. You may, you may be afraid of reading, and so if you read it along with us, you're gonna, gonna get a commentary every single week of what you're reading. Some of you may be saying, but how? what's the point? You're gonna tell us what it's about anyway. Yes, look, I'm gonna give you what I feel like God has put on my heart to tell you, but when you read the word of God, God gives you something just for you, just for your life. So take the challenge, read with us every week. It's four chapters, it's not a long book. Every week, read a chapter from the book of Jonah as we go through in the story. And here's one of the big reasons why Jonah's important. Jonah tells the story that we go through today in our lives. God speaks, we react, right? God speaks, God gives us direction and we react. It's not always the best direction. I mean, I can still remember when God first spoke to me. You see, as a, as a kid, you gotta understand something. I, I was a contrarian. Uh, which means this, if, if a lot of people were all about something, I immediately was against it. Which for many of you, you're like, that's dumb. But for those of you that are contrarian like me, you're like, that makes perfect sense. You're both right. And so I would always do the opposite of it. And here's the deal, I was a pastor's kid, and so for some reason, everyone loved to tell me what I was gonna do with my life. Loved to tell me where I was gonna go, how I was gonna go about it. They always loved to tell me who I was gonna date. I mean, people would come up to me and be like, hey, you should date this person. I'm like, does everybody think that? They said, yes. I'm like, then I'm not gonna date them. <laughs> like, why, why, why are you this way? I'm like, I don't know. But one of the things they always said was, hey, you're just gonna be, you're gonna be a pastor just like your dad. You're gonna be a pastor just like your dad. You're gonna grow up, you're gonna go to seminary, you're gonna be a pastor just like your dad. And I was like, no, I'm not. Not that I don't love God, not that I don't love my dad, not that I don't think he's great. I'm just not gonna do it because everybody told me I was. And so what did I do? I went as far away from ministry as I could. I went to the University of Florida. <laughs> and I was at the University of Florida for a year, and then that summer I went back home. And uh, during that summer I had two jobs. I, I worked as an intern at a youth ministry in a church down in South Florida. On top of it, I worked at a place called Roadway, uh, which loaded, I loaded, loaded and unloaded 18-wheelers. Uh, down in Miami, it had a 153-bay place. It was massive. And I worked at that place from 11 o'clock at night till 7 o'clock in the morning. So I would spend some time interning each day with some students, and at night I would work. And through the interning and working with the students, and then that night having a lot of time to think, God was starting to change my heart. I mean, here's what I found out very quickly. That first night at Roadway, I thought, this is gonna be awesome. I get to use a forklift. Well, I get on the forklift, and a guy comes up. He goes, no, you don't get to use this. I'm like, why not? He goes, you're not union. I was in union. It's like, okay, so at least I get to use the motorized pallet jack, which is like a pallet jack, but it automatically moves with you. It's like, no, 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 the low guys on the totem pole, the union gets that. What do I get, the non-union guy? I get the pallet jack with one good wheel. And my job was to literally, I felt like they always gave me the, the bays that were the furthest apart, 153 bays. I would pick up a pallet on one side and walk it all the way to the other side. No music, it couldn't have earphones in because if you did, you couldn't hear the, uh, the forklifts coming through, which everybody had stories about what happened when they did that. And so I would walk through just in my thoughts. 
And after time went on, I just started to pray. I started talking to God. I started asking God, what he wants to do with my life? And God started to confirm in my heart that he wanted me to go into ministry. And what happened was, not only did he confirm it, but there was this ultimate peace that I felt when I wanted to go after him. See, before that, I wanted to go into the medical field. I love the, the sciences, and some of you have heard that come out in my messages. I love those things. I also thought in order to get a wife, I needed to make a lot of money. It's a good thing that's not true. But God confirmed that. Not only did God confirm that in my life, when I went back to the ministry I was working in, the pastor there and the youth pastor there came up to me and they said, how, we just see this calling on your life. There's something about you that comes alive when you work with youth. And so God called me and I decided to follow after him. Did he give me all the information? Absolutely not. Did he say I would be here one day? No, he didn't. Did he tell me, how do you go from UF to ministry? He didn't tell me that either. But I had to figure that way out. And in the same way, all of us in our lives, we have moments when God speaks and we have a choice. Do I follow after God or do I go my own way? And for some of you, you're thinking, you're like, I've never had God speak to me. Well, the quickest way to get a word from God is to read his word. This is literally his word. And as we read it and as we pray, God will show you what to do next in your life. And so as we look in the book of Jonah, really what we're looking at in this first chapter especially is how does Jonah react when God calls him somewhere? And in Jonah 1, verses 1, you can follow along with me. It says this, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Now when it says great city, he's not meaning it's an awesome city that loves God. He's saying great city meaning it's a big city. It's 53 miles in circumference. It was a massive city in that time. It says, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction away from the Lord. He went to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board. Now, if you're taking notes here, underline bought a ticket. You can write next to it. Every time you run away from God, it costs you something. It may be a blessing. It may be the fact that you're gonna have to deal with some consequences, but it always costs us something. It says he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. The Bible starts off with God commanded the moon to do something and it obeyed. God commanded the sun and the sun obeyed. God commanded the stars, the stars obeyed. God commanded the animals, the animals obeyed. God commanded the, the earth, God commanded the wind, God commanded all those things and they obeyed. Then it got to humans and it says God commanded humans and they said, well, the snake's got some good ideas. See, what's so interesting is so many times as human beings, when God speaks, instead of listening and obeying, we rebel and we run away. So what's happening right now is God's telling him exactly what to do. He's immediately deciding, this is not what I want to do, and I'm going to run away from it. Here's what's so interesting about this. Jonah's a prophet. Jonah has a relationship with God. Jonah, Jonah knows all about God. One is, what is one of God's qualities? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. How do you run away from a God that's everywhere? Yet Jonah's doing it. Here's why Jonah's doing that. Have you noticed that when we sin, we start to say and do things that are a little bit dumb? Like, it makes sense to us, but we say it to our friends, and they're like, that doesn't sound right. I mean, it's kind of like playing uh, hide-and-go-seek with a three-year-old. You ever played hide-and-seek with a three-year-old? It's incredibly easy because they don't understand they need to hide their entire body. What do they think they just need to hide? Right, their face, their eyes. And if they hide that, they think they're fine because they think this, if I can't see you, you can't see me. And so you walk up and you see the three-year-old, you're like, I see you, and then they close their eyes. 
They're like, no, you don't. I'm like, yes, I do. You're right there. They're like, no, you don't. You don't see me. And you realize you're arguing with a three-year-old. But the problem is just in the same way, that idea that if I can't see you, you can't see me is incredibly dumb. The idea that we can run away from God is. The idea that Jonah right now in the middle of his sin thinks he can actually get away from who God is. See, Jonah is running away because of something very simple. God is calling him to something incredibly tough. I think sometimes in the Christian life, we can think, oh, God just wants to give us things that are comfortable. No, most of the time, God is going to call us to things that are tough. And most of the time, God's gonna call us to things that are very uncomfortable. And Jonah's being called to something that is very uncomfortable. See, many of us, we've, we've done our own script for our lives, right? We spend a lot of time on it. Some of you have written out everything that you're gonna do, how it's going to happen, how God's going to bless you. And then you gave it to God and God rewrote it and he gave it back. And you're like, wait a second, God, can we talk about these edits? He's like, no. He's like, why not? He goes, I, I have director's rights. Can I have director's rights? No. Why not? Because I'm God. And he knows best. But I need you to understand what God is calling Jonah to do isn't easy. It's not, I think many times in, in growing up in church, I, I would look at Jonah and go, you know what? He's just kind of a wimp. But really, when you realize where God called him, it, it was not an easy place. See, God called him to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire was started by a guy named Nimrod. Now, young people in the room that are pregnant are getting ready to have a baby. If you're just looking through the Bible for a name to, to name your baby, Nimrod is not it. Just, just throwing that out there. He was an awful human, awful human, not a good biblical name. Nimrod started this entire Assyrian empire and he started it on the back of worshiping this demon God. And the government was tied to this. And so if you didn't worship this God, you were killed. And so they literally had an entire nation that also believed this, that if another nation didn't believe in their demon God, they would put you to death. Kind of like a large nation of just jihadists. And so what God says is, hey, I want you to go into the city and tell them about God. This is also the same city that realized that the Israelites didn't believe in their God, so they tried to wipe them off the face of the earth three different times. I mean, they would go into places, kill all the men, rape all the women, make all the children slaves. I mean, they talk about there's times where they would literally cut off the head of people that didn't follow after them and make their friends carry it through the center. These are awful, evil people. I mean, when I think about it, the only way that I can even think of God calling us to a similar place is if they're after 9-11, if God said, hey, here's the deal. I want you to go over to what Nineveh was actually modern day Mosul, Iraq. I want you to go over to Mosul, Iraq. I want you to get ISIS and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda all in one room somehow. And I want you to tell them that if they don't follow after me, I'm gonna wipe them off the face of the earth. Not many of us would be up for that, right? I mean, most of the time we're thinking, I'm not gonna make it out of that room. Second off, after 9-11, am I hoping for them to find God in my heart? Or am I hoping for God just to deal with them? See, this is where Jonah is right now. God's calling him to a, a place that is his mortal enemy. God's calling him to a place that he doesn't want to go. I mean, it's like if today God called us and said, hey, how I want you to go to Iraq, and instead I went to Canada. This is basically what he's doing. He is running away from God. And here's what I want us to get from the beginning. You can write this in. We cannot outrun God. We cannot outrun God. I think we've all tried. We've all tried. We tried to outrun God. We tried to get away from God, but he is always there. 
And he's not there to, to blame us or condemn us. He's always there with this love and this grace that we don't even deserve. See, but all of us have these things in our lives that we won't give to God. Because some of you are saying, Hal, you don't understand. I'm following after God. I'm here in church right now. Look, you may have given this part of your life to God, but there's another part that you haven't. I think all of us have a part of our will that we don't give up to God. You may say, God, I want you to bless my finances, but I don't want to steward your money your way. God, I want you to bless my relationship, but I don't want to date the way that you want me to date. God, I want you to bless my marriage, but I don't want you to tell me about sacrifice. So we say, God, I want you to bless these things, but I, I want to run them the way that I want to run them. See, Jonah is running away from God. They actually say that Nineveh was about 500 miles away from Jonah. Tarshish was 2,500 miles away. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we're willing to work five times as hard just to run away from God? We, we, we want to work much harder just to run away from him, even to sin. And here's, here's, here's what we got to get. When Jonah went to run away from God, there was a ship waiting for him. And hear me in this. When we run away from God, there will always be a ship. When we run from God, there will always be a ship to take us. And here's why I say this. I think so many times we can be naive Christians and assume if the circumstance is in front of us or the thing is in front of us, it must be from God. And that's not true. I don't know how many spouses I've talked to that said, yeah, me and my spouse are having an incredibly hard time, but then God brought this other man or this other woman into the situation. No, 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 that's not God's ship. That's Satan's shipwreck. Or, or how, you don't understand, my, my, my company's not paying me well. They're, they're not using me well. I, I should be making more, but I found this way to uh, basically cheat them out of money. No, 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 that's not God's ship. That's Satan's shipwreck. Or I hear this all the time for singles. How, there's no Christian guys or Christian girls left. Really? How, there's none left, so I'm just gonna date a person. No, that's not God's ship. That's Satan's shipwreck. See, there's always gonna be a way out. See, I think so many times we have something come into our lives. We're like, God's providing. Guess what? So can Satan. And what Satan provides will take you away from what God wants you to do. See, Satan provides the ship because he wants to get him away from God. So here's my question for you. When you look at your life, what part of your life right now are you not willing to give to God? What part of your life are you not allowing God to speak into? I mean, for Jonah, it was where he was going to be. And maybe that's it for some of you. I know for a lot of people, they love the idea that they're in Tampa, but I talk to many, they're going, man, I wish I was somewhere else. I wish I could be somewhere else. I have to be here because of this situation. I have to be here because of this. Look, if you're in Tampa, God has a plan for you. God has a mission for you. God wants to work in you and through you to do something. Here's what I love about the city of Tampa. The word Tampa literally means sticks of fire. And as Christians, I think that's exactly what we're supposed to do is start a fire. So no matter what work area you're in, no matter what neighborhood you're in, no matter what school you're in, God has you there for a purpose right now. He has you on mission. But Jonah goes, no, 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 I, you can't send me there. God will move you for a mission. And then we see God's response in Jonah 1.4. It says this, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Now here's the deal. If the sailors are freaked out, everybody should freak out. 
right? These are the guys that spend their entire lives on the ship. They're freaked out. Not only that, they're throwing all their profits overboard. They're so scared that they're throwing everything that would make them money overboard. They are freaked out. That's how bad of a storm it is. Then it says this, but all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Now, a lot of people can get on Jonah for this, but many people think it's this. The guy grew up in a desert. He's not used to waves. He's seasick, probably. He's probably down in the hole going, this was the wrong idea. So the captain went down after him. He says, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Two things out of that passage. Here's the first one. Your sin affects those around you. Jonah's sin right now is affecting everybody in his ship. And in the same way, when we sin, our sin affects everybody in our ship. Not only do we go through storms, but so do those around us. So what Satan loves to tell you, no, 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 it's only affecting you. No, it always affects those around you. And here's the second thing we see. As Christians, in a crisis, we should be ready to pray for others. I hear many people all the time, but I don't know what to pray. It's okay. It's okay. If the person asking you to pray doesn't know God, when you pray, that may be the first prayer they've ever heard. They think that's the way it's supposed to go. It's perfect. But God gives us those opportunities. In fact, it's in crisis that God gives us those opportunities. And as Christians, we should be paying attention to the crisis and offering. I've never had someone in a crisis ever refuse prayer. Jonah was asked in this moment, hey, we need you to pray because everything is going wrong. And then in verse seven, it even heightens. It says this, and the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When did this... When, did, when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Ah. Do you? I mean, it's kind of like, we see this all the time, people that are running away from God. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Are you? Do you worship God? Says the Lord of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told him they were running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Everybody on the boat right in this moment is calling out to their gods. Everybody on the boat at this moment is trying everything they can to get God's attention. I think we've all been there. We've seen people there. And what, what tends to happen in the middle of a crisis? What do we tend to do? We tend to bargain, don't we? God, if you get me out of this, I'll go back to church. God, if you get me out of this, I'll do whatever you call me. I'll, I'll actually go to a small group and I just, I think they're weird. I don't understand why they keep telling me about them. I'll go to it. God, if you get me out of this financial crisis, I, I promise I'll tithe. Actually, I'll give 11%, God. If you just get me out of this. I've heard singles say, God, if you just get me out of this, I'll marry that ugly person that loves you. God, I just. We do. And you do, and we've all been in that situation. We've called out to God. What's the problem, though, many times when we bargain in the middle of crisis? What happens when the crisis ends? We forget the bargain. We do. And many times, because we spent all of our time bargaining, we didn't spend the time to understand why we were in the crisis in the first place. See, they're bargaining with God. They're trying to figure out what is happening right now. And in Jonah 1.11, we see it get to a point. It says, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will be calm again. 
I know this is a terrible storm, but it's all my fault. It's always interesting to me that Jonah said, throw me into the sea, and he didn't just jump in. Like, is this just like drama, like throw me? Like, I, like, what, like what, is, what is he doing? Why isn't he just jumping? He knows he's the problem. He says, throw me into the sea, Jonah said. It'll be calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. And instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land. They didn't want to kill him. It says, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. It says, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. See, the moment, the moment they surrendered was the moment God stepped in. The moment they did what they knew they were supposed to do was the moment that they had peace. See, in this situation, God was the one that sent the storm, but most of the time in our lives, it's not God that sends the storm, it's a storm that we've created ourselves. But here's what we know. The moment we look to God, the moment we surrender to God is the moment there's peace. And here's what we know about God. No matter who caused the storm, he'll be there with us as we walk through it. See, here's the great thing about a storm and following after God. We know that with a storm and following God, he can make something that seems really awful into something incredible. He can make something that seemed like it, it was the worst day of your life into something that could be the best day that turns you for something good. I mean, we see this throughout the Bible. One of the greatest stories in the Bible about this was Joseph. Joseph was was the youngest of 12 brothers. He was his dad's favorite. Uh, We've heard Joseph had the coat of many colors, and so his brothers were jealous of him. Then Joseph had a dream that his brothers would one day bow down to him, and he made the, he he basically should never have told his brothers this dream, but he did. He said, hey, guess what, brothers? One day you're gonna bow down to me, and I think he thought a good response was gonna happen. Well, back then they didn't take to that very kindly, and so the brothers go, hey, let's kill him. And then one brother goes, hey, why kill him when we can make some money off of him? Let's sell him into slavery. So they sell him off into slavery. They tell his dad that, uh, that he was eaten. He spends this time in slavery. He gets wrongly accused of an action, goes to jail. He spends 13 years between slavery and jail because his brothers decided to throw him into slavery because he told him about a vision that he had. Well, while he's in jail, Pharaoh has a vision. He doesn't know how to... He doesn't know how to interpret it. He finds out that Joseph has the ability to interpret dreams. Joseph comes up. He goes, here's the deal, Pharaoh. What's going to happen? For next seven years, you're going to have plenty. And then seven years after that, you're going to have a famine. So in the first seven years, you need to store up as much grain as you can to get ready for the next seven years. Pharaoh's so impressed, he puts him as second in charge. So Joseph is ahead of this entire thing. He's saving up for seven years. In the next seven years, they're giving it back out. Well, guess who shows up during that next seven years? The brothers. And you can imagine when the brothers show up and they see it's Joseph that's ahead of handing out the grain. You know what they're thinking? They're thinking either one, he's gonna have us killed or two, he's gonna send us home empty-handed and we're gonna die anyway. But what Joseph does is he looks at his brothers and he says this, he says, what you intended for good, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. What you intended to harm me God used it for something that was good. See, what God wanted to do was to end the storm. What God wanted to do was to bring peace to the situation. What did the sailors naturally do? They rode against it. 
Some of you right now in this room are rowing against your storm. God's calling you to something. God's telling you something. You're like, no, it's fine. I'm just gonna keep rowing. See, if you want peace in your life right now, if you want peace in the middle of your storm, we have to surrender to what God has for our lives. See, when Jonah says, throw me into the sea, he's going, you know what? I made the wrong decision. I'm going back to God. See, it's, it's kind of easy to figure out whether or not God's in the storm with you based on the questions that we ask. See, if God's not in the storm with you, the questions we ask always start with why. Why, God, is this happening? Why, God, are you doing this to me? Why, God, is this person in my life? Why, God, why, God, why, God? But the moment God walks into our situation, he gives us a peace so that we can actually step back and ask the right questions. What, God, do you wanna teach me? What, God, do you want to do in my life? Who, God, do you want me to serve? Who, God, do you want me to be? See, for God to step in, though, surrender has to happen. So have you surrendered your will to God? Have you surrendered your will to God? Not just part of it, but all of it. See, this is not a story of something that happened. This is a story of something that continues to happen every day. God calls us into situations. God calls us into storms. God helps us through them, and he uses us in it. But once we understand the way God works, we understand God's always doing something much more. See, sometimes God uses experiences. God, sometimes God uses people to accomplish tasks. Most of the time, God uses tasks to accomplish people. What you're going through right now, God wants to teach you something in it. But you've got to surrender to him so he can give you the peace to walk through it. At the end of Jonah, in verse 17, we, we see the part where everybody gets a little bit uneasy. It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. See, I think sometimes we look at the fish and we see that as a bad thing. Here's what that was. That was God meeting him right where he was at. Many of you in here, including myself, we spent time running away from God. And here's what's so great about God. It doesn't matter how far we run, he's still there. So the answer is not to run back to God. It's just to start running with him. We don't have to run back to him. He's right there. We just need to start running with him. But this is always the point of the story where people go, all right, Hal, a giant fish, really? Like, I, I do believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that he did all those miracles. But a giant fish? It's like we, we draw a very weird line in the sand. Like, God can do everything else, but this is a little much. It's kind of like my wife when she watches sci-fi movies. And this is every sci-fi movie. We were watching Guardians of the Galaxy, which is about superheroes in space. And as we were watching it, about three quarters of the movie, my wife goes, that's not possible. I was like, that's what did it for you? Not the talking raccoon that shoots a laser? Or the fact that he has a best friend that's a tree that talks to? No, 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 it was that he dodged that. That's when it couldn't happen. It's always interesting to me when we do that, we're like, ah, could that have happened? Did God create the earth or not? Can, does God sustain life or not? See, God did an incredible miracle in this point. And the truth is, this entire, this entire story is really not about the fish. It's about what God does in people's lives. But here's one of the biggest reasons why I believe we know that this story happened is because Jesus mentions it. In Matthew 12, 40, he says, For as this Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. 
See, Jonah and Jesus parallel a lot. See, Jonah went to a place that was incredibly evil to let them know that God's grace covered them. Jesus went into an incredibly evil earth and surrendered his life to let us know that God's grace covers all of us. See, and Jesus showed us the way. He surrendered. Was God's plan easy? No, Jesus was so, so scared. He, he literally cried tears of blood, but he surrendered. Why? Because he knew God could take the worst moment in history and turn it into the best moment. And in the same way, when we are in our storms, if we choose to, God can take the moment that we're in right now and use it for something good. But we've got to stop rowing. We've got to stop telling God, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. No, no, God, I'm going to keep these things on my own. I want to do this by myself. And we've got to decide to give it to God. Write this in. This is the point. Surrender people find themselves in the presence of God. Surrender people always find themselves in the presence of God. For those that have been following after God for a long time, my question is, what part of your life haven't you surrendered? What part of your life are you holding back from God? What part of your life right now, maybe are you asking the question, why God is this happening? Instead of allowing God into your life, so you can ask the question, what God do you want me to learn? What part of your life do you need to go, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own. You need to be the head of my life. But maybe for some of you, you haven't even taken that first step yet. That first step of surrender that says, God, I, I, I can't do this life on my own. I can't do it in my own power. I need your help. I can't defeat two biggest things, sin and death. No matter how many times I try, I can't stop sinning. And no matter what I do, I can't defeat death. And that's exactly what God does. See, God sent his son Jesus down to this earth as a sacrifice so he could take care of our sin. No matter how much we've sinned, no matter how many bad things we've done, God says, oh, my grace can cover it. And not only that, but I want you to spend eternity with me. So if today that's you and you're just, you're going, man, I'm tired of rowing against this life. I'm tired of doing this life on my own. I need God with me. I'm gonna say a prayer out loud here in just a moment that you can say quietly right where you're sitting. So if we could, if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you want to surrender to God and stop rowing and give your life to him right now, I wanna say a prayer right now that you can say right where you're sitting. Dear God, I know that I've sinned. Please forgive me. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. God, thank you for saving me from my sins and saving me from death. God, thank you for coming into my storm. God, thank you for giving me purpose. God, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for loving me first. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, if you made that decision today, you decided to surrender your life to Christ, that is the best decision you will ever make. And we'd love to help you with some next steps. So right now I'm gonna ask our campus pastors to come up and give us some next steps.